Hello and welcome to the Higher Training Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Kieran Casey Byrne. Uh, Kieran is a current Loud Gaelic footballer. He's from the village, Loud Village, in County Loud, which is only about 10 minutes, not even away from my own village, not Bridge. Um, he went to the same school as I did. He did the same degree as I did, but a year below. And after his first year in university, he moved to Australia to play Australian football uh, with the Carlton Blues. So we chatted a little bit about that, a little bit about our time in DCU. Um, and then we also talk about Gaelic football in general and some of the new rules and some of our thoughts around how the schedule should be and how much of a commitment it actually is to play Gaelic football. It's a really enjoyable one. If you haven't watched Gaelic football, watch some videos on it right now and then listen to this. If you're from County Loud, this is going to be a fucking great one for you. I hope you enjoy. I don't think you'd ever be allowed to go back into Loud Village after that. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I just said that I'd boil up Andrew English, but um, no, absolutely, I, I never, I never wear a bride's top. No, no, and I wouldn't wear a mock this top either. Anybody <laughs> who doesn't fair. know, I'm St. Brides, and our, our teams are like closest rivals. That's one, another aspect of GA that's quite yeah, like unique is that the rivalries are, are very local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like obviously, Northbridge is only five or ten minutes away from us, but yeah. like it's a, it's a great rivalry that we have. Um, I was literally with Kevin Herty, your good mate there, five minutes ago, um, selling some gear to him. So, um, now we're all like, once, once it's outside the just pitch, to, Just there. to clear up football gear. Yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> football gear. Yeah, sorry, expecting gear. Jeez, um, <laughs> um, that was funny. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so football gear, that's, that's the area of work that I'm in. So, um, once you're outside the football field, like, we're all good mates. That's a, that's a good thing about GA. Um, we all kind of stick together. It's a close-knit community, so... Um, which is a which is a massive thing. Yeah, and uh, I heard you speaking on another podcast about like the bonding side of GA is like one of the most uh, the things you enjoy about it the most, and that it's maybe not as good as it could be, or it has been in the past. Like I know I, I hear stories about my old man playing football and like to be to thump someone in the pitch and to be drinking a pint with them afterwards. Like the teams would nearly like bond together after a game, like. Yeah, um, oh no, it's, it's definitely something that I kind of miss too. Um, the more relaxed environment around GA, but it has become um, very serious. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know county football, there's going to have to be some sort of leeway when it comes to um, taking so much out of the lads. Like, there's too much expected of county players these days. I know it's been with loud. Uh, I know we haven't been very successful, but the, the demand that is expected of um, every lad is, is extraordinary. Like, um, I never knew how much it was until I actually came back and got back into the system. Um, like to work all day, nine to five and whatnot, and to having to go straight to training most nights of the weeks in Darver. And you know yourself, Darver's a, a cold and wet and windy place. Like, miserable um, fucking place. <laughs> yeah, it's a miserable place, um, especially during the winter. Like to, yeah. That's the biggest change for me, because like, um, I'm so used to like training during the day and then having my evenings off. But mm. fuck, it's, a ma- it's a massive commitment now to to come home every night and to have to go to Dalva for a couple of hours and I might not get home till half ten so yeah. uh, the GA are going to have to look after um, people's mental health and, and things outside of football as well as just the footballer you know yeah 
Yeah, and that's where like a lot of people talk about the money and compensation side and they'd be like, that's the solution. I wouldn't think that's the solution for me. I think it's more so maybe restructure on how it's kind of run, you know, to cater to that instead of like, oh, just throw money to it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It needs, as you said, that's the word. It needs restructured. Um, the demand on, on county players is way too much and the GA need to really sit down and consider um, the length of pre-season. They need to give players an off-season so they can go away and have holidays and trips and piss-ups and... Um, that's a big thing. Fucking a lot of people don't, don't miss out on so many lads' holidays and uh, all that jazz because it's on... They're usually around the time championship, so... Lads miss yeah. out some of the best holidays at the younger years, like, you know. Exactly. Like, that's the beauty of the Australian rules is that I knew there was a, a certain period where I could travel for, for two months or whatnot. So every year, I, I knew I'd put in all the hard work. I wouldn't drink for a long time. And then come the end of the season, I'd go on a massive bender, like, to be honest. Um, <laughs> like, you'd, you'd, you'd be away and I'd leave traveling around Europe. So there has to be, um, there has to be a level to, to life um, outside of, of football as well, you know. Yeah, and uh, one area in particular uh, that the schedule is absolutely rammed for is when you're playing college football. Um, you played with DCU and you were playing club football and you were, you were playing with Loud at the time as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. That like was that, tactic, yeah. That, that's a, a, a massive like, class of, clash of schedules because you're expected to be at some training sessions and then you could have two or three games in a week. Yeah, it was, you were in DCU at the time. I was in DCU as well. Like, yeah. Um, there was different managers pulling out of you in in every way. Um, like as you said, I was playing with DCU, which was a pretty high standard. Like um, mm. with the freshers, um, I was playing with the county on the twenty ones. Um, I had obviously um, some games and training with my club. So every night of the week, like I was doing some form of training with a different team. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's too much expected of a young lad. Um, and I know myself, I love football, so. Um, I was never going to say no to games or training, um, but that can, that can lead to, to burnout and can disinterest a lot of that. So um, yeah, it needs to something needs to happen in terms of restructuring um, certain grades and and how much you um, are playing with certain teams. Absolutely, and if that that ever came down to a decision, it would probably be the club that would end up be, uh, being lost out in that situation. You know, if they were to try and like schedule things to suit everybody. Unfortunately, yeah, and. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, that's the sad thing um, because the club is where it all began. Um, mm. I, I know for me at the minute, like me and my brother Decky, he was also on the uh, county panel, like, um, you know Decky quite well. Um, yeah. We always chat about it, like, um, with regards to um, the club and county balance. Um, we as county players don't get enough time with our club um, to train or play, um, which is disappointing because I know myself, I enjoy playing with my mates, I enjoy playing with my club. Yes, there's place for county, and I love playing with loud as well. Uh, but there needs there needs to be a balance um, to where um, county managers and can't take too much away from the club player. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you could see uh, I don't know personal reasons why Paddy Keenan retired at 29, but it could possibly be that exact reason. You know, not have that. Obviously, less there's less commitment on the training side of things and all that. But maybe maybe you get to spend more time playing with the people you grew up with, like. Yeah, well, Paddy, Paddy, yeah, you're right. Paddy Italy himself, um, he, he, I think he did an article recently where he said um, he did retire too young at the age of 29. But the reason why he did retire is because he spent all of his life committing to loud football and 
um, as you said with the holidays like he, he said no to a lot of holidays over the years and um, he decided just right enough is enough uh, I want to go enjoy my life he travelled the world I think he's, he's in Melbourne at the minute so me and him did a wee swapsy um, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's, it's, it's mental how much it can take out of your um, life kind of outside of football like yeah, if I find that right balance, it, um, it's a hard thing to do. But uh, hopefully there is something to make some changes now going forward. Um, you are obviously going to be playing a shortened, exactly. shortened season now. Uh, what do you think of the structure that uh, Loud's come up with, with the league, no relegation or promotion? Yeah, it's, uh, it might be a bit controversial with our club at the minute because the boys were, um, um, a few of the boys were tweeting about it. But look, no matter what was going to come out, like it was going to be, there's going to be some people unhappy, some people happy. Um, mm. To be honest, for me, it comes down to just, I can't wait to get back playing football. I don't care yeah. if it's a relegation promotion. I'm just buzzing to get back and play some form of football. Um, I think they've done it quite well, to be honest. Um, the idea of no relegation promotion in the leagues is, is fair enough because it gives lads a chance to get football before the, the proper games, which is the championship. So, um, yeah. Yeah, two games in the league before we went to championship, which is quite exciting. Um, I know the three games post-championship in the league might cause a bit of controversy around lads maybe not committing to it, but um, I don't think that'll be an issue because we've been away from football so long that lads are going to be pretty keen to play. So um, you, should want, you should want to play football, like, regardless. Like, that's the... You're talking about the seriousness of it. Like, um, it should be about wanting to play as well, not just, like, oh, only playing if there's, like, go, um, a medal at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but at the end of the day, we are all competitive, and we want to we want to win, and we want to win trophies and whatnot. Um, like, there's still a chance there to win the league. You're going to win yeah. the trophy, but there's going to be no relegation and promotion. So, um, I'm a competitive beast. A lot of the boys I talk to and hang around with are competitive. So, um, it's a game at the end of the day, fifteen v fifteen. We want to go out and beat everyone who's put in front of us. Unfortunately, we don't get the prize this year, which is um, <laughs> which is a bit flattening. But um, I'm sure we'll pay easy again soon. Yeah, you 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 have um, you have a lot of the, you have the RD in your group, in the league, is it? Yeah, yeah, we've a tough league group to be honest. We have all the all the good teams. We've um, we Blues have Blues and, and that's it. RD, so it's a tough group. But listen, you're gonna have to play them at some stage. So um, yeah. we've a tough group in the championship as well. We've the, the Dreadnoughts and Dreadnoughts and Mountain. So um, Air Force Year Senior is going to be tough, like. Well, it'll be good though. It'll be. Uh, I I think there's there's a lot to be said about you know having to rise to the challenge. You know, moving up a level and like yourself. Whenever you are you were younger, you obviously moved up a level, played with loud, moved up a level, played with well, to a different level with DCU. You were playing with people from all over. It was a different yeah. level of um, football, and then obviously going to Australia. It's uh, I'd say there's a big learning curve each time you kind of take that step up. A hundred percent. Like. I know the biggest step for me was going from um, was going from minor football, I suppose, into uh, Loud County Senior Football because um, I was playing such good football at Loud Minors and Twenty Ones, and I was, I felt like not that I was running the show, but it was it was I was enjoying it and I was um, I was getting plenty of scores on the board. But when I made that jump to senior, I just thought it was going to happen for me, um, and it didn't, um, which can be a hard thing to take because. Um, you go in games and you're scoring 10 points and then you go into a senior game and you're whipped off at half time you're like fuck this is this is a big step up um, but the biggest thing and it's the area obviously which you're um, working as and you're very interested in is the strength and conditioning um, mm. you have to um, when you're making that jump from minor to senior it's it's your strength your power and 
Um, obviously, our fitness that is the biggest uh, dif difference. Um, and if you don't adapt to that side of things, um, you'll fall down the peck order. Yeah, you're against grown men at that stage. Like, um, I think uh, it's in GA, like it's it's gotten better recently, but a lot of young lads still neglect the S and C side of things. You know, especially when they're making that transition to senior football. Yeah, a hundred percent. S and C is has become so important, and if I'm ever chatting to any long, young lad, I always I, I would always excuse me, I'm fucking getting tongue twisted here. I'd always tell them that it's important to um, work on your body. Yes, your skills are a massive part of the game, but um, if, if your body shape doesn't change from minor to senior, um, you're going to get caught found out. So um, it's important to get into the gym and, and work on, on certain aspects of your, your body strength. Yeah, and even just uh, injury prevention side of things is, is very important as well. If you're not strong enough to be in the pitch against the big lads, it's not going to go your way. <laughs> no, definitely not. And when it comes down to injuries, I've, I've had my fair share over the years, which has been um, a learning experience for one, but also has been like a tough, a tough one too. Um, I've learned so much about, I suppose myself as a person, but I've learned so much about my body over the years that um, I'm learning to um, suss different things out. Um, like I've had numerous injuries between dislocations of ankles and, and, and ACLs and LCLs in my knee and uh, to soft tissue injuries. So I've learned so much from the Australian days with regards to injury prevention. Um, and certain parts of training that I need to adjust my program to, um, which is going to help me in the long run. So, um, yeah, it's been one big learning experience, but like a tough one, a tough one too. Uh, what, um, what has been the biggest change from like, let's say pre-Australia days to, to now from what you've learned, like as regarding to injury prevention, is it just the amount of time you put to, towards it and the kind of focus on it? Yeah, it's, 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 as you said, it's, it's the time you put towards it. Um, a thing that I'm, trying to get a balance with now is work-life balance and training and balance whereas in Australia like I had my job was to play football and to get my body right I had 24-7 where I had physios I had S&C people at my disposal whereas now it's you have a physio at the club um, with, at the club and then obviously with Loud as well so I'm trying to get that balance between getting my body right outside of my work-life balance too so um, that's been that's been tough Um but yeah, it's it's a lot of injury injury prevention stuff, like simple rehab programs, like um, hamstring and hip activation stuff before you go out and run. It's simple things like that that I wouldn't have done pre Australia that I do now to get my body right for training. Um, but I think I've been pretty unfortunate with the injuries that I got. Um, a lot of them were pretty serious and impact with the dislocation on my ankle, which ultimately led to me doing hamstrings and and whatnot because it was deficiencies in my muscles on both sides. So. Um, yeah, it's, as I said before, it's a big, massive learning experience and, and time is time is the is issue at times. And as you were saying there, like, um, give you a chance to kind of re almost reflect and like have a look uh, at yourself as a person. And that's one thing with injury, you can kind of, you can go opposite ways. You can be forced to reflect and improve as a person and obviously get stronger physically or you can go the other way. Yeah. And you've obviously come, uh, took the right decision most of your injuries because you keep coming back. And I'd say you're fucking dying to get in the pitch, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I have this conversation a lot. Like it's it's absolutely mad. Like I've I've had a probably short career today in terms of Gaelic football. Like I haven't played that much. Like so, um, but it just at the minute it's probably not meant to be because I came home from Australia, dislocated the ankle, so I only played one game, couple of games, um, and then my body started getting good again, and then fucking excuse my French the COVID came so um, it just wasn't meant to be so 
Um, now at the minute, um, I've been given that time over the last couple of months to really retrain my body, dropped a bit of weight. I was kind of quite heavy when I came home from Australia. I was carrying a lot of muscle, so um, I think I've lost maybe two to three kg in the last couple of months just to get my body ready for that running, more high agility sport. So um, body feeling good for once and pretty keen to get back out there. And you don't, you don't have to tackle people anymore, so you don't need that extra mass. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss that. Um, I'm going to miss that a lot. I love, I love tackling out there. Um, having said that, my first game back in Ireland was against Matt at Rangers, and I come on, I was on the bench, and I come on for five or ten. I tried to tackle a bit. Um, I don't know how it didn't get sent off, so it's... Yeah, it's a learning cover. Starting to learn the game, and I think hopefully, I think I lost you there for a second. Happens quicker. Now we're yeah, back. Pause there. Lovely. What were we saying now, bud? Hopefully, it comes. Hello. Hello. We're gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> All right. Let's see yeah. if this goes back. All right, mate. All right, mate. Uh, we're talking about the training load like that you're <laughs> talking about like the training load that, that you have now versus then like how many hours a week would you say you spend training let's say if season was was on and you were allowed etc um, yeah it's, it's an every night thing um, with loud I suppose um, like say after a game on a Saturday like you'd be in the gym on Monday you'd be on the field on Tuesday uh, maybe you recover Wednesday back on the field Thursday so you're still spending two or three hours most nights doing some form of training be it or in the gym or division uh, of the three spending a lot of time um, on your body um, I know with Loud we probably don't spend as much time as what maybe the Dublin lads do because they're nearly full time um, which is lucky for them but um, look it's, it becomes part of your life and um, it's what we love doing um, and it looks like we're going to get back into the swing of things now sooner rather than later. Yeah. And uh, with, with, like, let's say on the nutrition side of things, you've obviously, I'd say you, you learned a lot on that side of things when you were over with professional effort in Carlton. Like even just, maybe, maybe you did, maybe you just still eat McDonald's all the time or whatever you're used to eating, uh, chicken fillet rolls <laughs> in, in DCU. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, them chicken fillet rolls in DCU were top notch. Oh um, man, the best, that we shop there, it was a spa, it was fucking class. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's still there, it, could, it actually might be closed, but um, she's them DCU days are well and truly over. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of going back just for the chicken fillet rolls, um, oh. to be honest. Um, but yeah, look, I, in terms of nutrition, um, I had to adapt quite quick because I, I went over uh, to Australia when I was seventeen, and I think you remember me from um, the wee bit of PT stuff you're doing with me in your in your house. Oh yeah, we'll chat about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, um, I was quite skinny when I when I went, so I was only, I think I was only about seventy eight kilos. So I had to, um, obviously look at the nutrition side of things as soon as I went over because I'm going into a game which is pretty high impact, and I got to be able to cop these hits, give hits. Um, so I put on six or seven kilos nearly in my first year. I went from 78 to 85, 86 kilos within a year. So that just meant eating a lot more food. Um, and obviously, uh, the training program that we were on meant that I was going to bulk up quicker if I was eating food. And the fact that we we're doing three or four weight sessions a week too in preseason. So um, there's still time for McDonald's. Don't get me wrong. Um, Always time for McDonald's. 
yeah, I don't, I don't even like it. I actually had one last week just to um, join the cray of people queuing up. I don't know what it's like in England, but in Ireland it's become a social thing where 400 cars queue up to get a McDonald's. I heard about that. I heard there were people queuing up uh, the day it was open, like for about an hour before. Now, I would eat a double cheeseburger. I'd eat the fuck out of three or four of them, actually. But I, <laughs> I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't queue up in a car to get a McDonald's. No, thank you. Uh, you would if you're locked in a house for six weeks. It's a bit different. <laughs> I would if it wasn't like 40 cars. Like, yeah. If it was three or four, I definitely would. <laughs> yeah. Well, your body uh, can't have changed a lot over the years, too. Absolutely. Jesus. Back then, jeez, uh, what year was it? I would have been about 19 whenever you were in first year. No, 18, 18 19 whenever you were in first year. So, Kieran. Uh, Kieran uh, studied the same course as me, sports science, uh, sports science and health, and he was a first year when I was in second yeah. year. Yeah, um, yeah, I was a little, a little bit chubbier back then, I think. <laughs> just a little bit just, chubbier. Just, just a tad. Just a tad. Yeah, I put on, I put on a little bit of muscle mass since then. I think ne- definitely not yeah. eight kilos though, not eight kilos in a year. That's impressive. No, um, yeah, I think it was 2011, was it? Um, you're obviously in your second year mm. um, in a sports sports science. I just went to college really to play football to be honest um, but um, sports I, I hated that course I absolutely hated <laughs> it I was going to ask how you, did you complete did you pick, that I was going to ask you did you pick up any of the books uh, whenever you were bored and locked in <laughs> no chance <laughs> no no um, I deferred my course for a couple of years I did intend them, uh, on maybe doing something else um but yeah, sports science was was quite hard. Like I remember in first year, it was a lot of physics and chemistry, and it's probably an area that I didn't really enjoy. Um, I was more into the kind of um, similar to yourself, the kind of um, sports and fitness side of things, um, and maybe physiology. I I kind of enjoy the um, idea of uh, physiology. I like how the body works, the mechanics of it, um, and I've found that out over the last six, seven years. I've learned so much about my body. So um, you're probably the same. You you enjoy that side of things too. Absolutely, yeah, and fucking physics and all was just something I had to get by to, to yeah. get, get where it needed to be. But to be honest, man, if I went back to college, I would do it completely differently. Uh, right. I, I, I would probably study way more than I did then, but that's just because I have a bit more sense now. So when you're in college, all you want to do is go out and drink. Yeah. <laughs> I see you did plenty of that. Who was it? You did and, of that. Um, what's his name? He's with um, Stat Sports now. You and your mate, that was... Jason Black, yeah. Yeah, he's he's done pretty well for himself too. So um, maybe I should explain the course. <laughs> Look, sure, uh, that would involve a lot of uh, well, no, he's performance analysis, isn't it? Stat sports. Yeah, you'd have to be in for. I would you like to sit in front of a computer all, uh, all day and do all the analysis? That's actually an interesting job, but I I I don't think I'd have the head for it. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I I like um, I suppose the job that I'm in at the minute. Um, Gear. I just like getting out and talking to people. Um, I, I could not sit in front of a computer all day. I'd go absolutely skit. So um, I'd rather be out and about and um, chatting to people about sport and I suppose life in general. Absolutely. And slagging the fuck out of them. <laughs> and Sorry, I didn't hear you. I said, and slagging the fuck out of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. He's actually, Kevin, I'm giving Kevin a real shout out here. He's actually in serious neck right next. So, big Kevin set for a big year of the prize, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I'd, I, I wish that you were playing them this year. That would be good crack, uh, especially after lockdown. But your luck, you are on to bigger and better things. We'll see how the brides get on. Yeah, they're, um, yeah we're in different league than brides. 
<laughs> you had to get that in there, didn't you, bollocks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to like you know the coaches, like I'm I'm a coach, so I'd be interested on like the coach side of things. Um, when you went over to Australia, what was it like? You know the interactions with the coaches and like compared to what you were used to before. Yeah, as I said, like previously, like we had so many different coaches and physios. Like we had a trainer for different parts of the field. So you had a forwards coach, a backs coach, a mids coach um, that, that would focus on different sides of the game. Um, and then on your side of things, um, we had different um, strength and conditioning coaches. So we had a, obviously a gym lad, uh, Rex, he was an absolute cracker of a lad too. Um, he would focus solely on the gym side of things. Um, and it's, it's quite similar to the, the county sort of weights we do, um, obviously, now with Loud, but um, the difference is you spend more time doing it. Um, it's your job. You're, you're lifting all day, every day. You're doing, it's your job to do it, whereas with the county, you're only spending maybe once a week with the S&C coach. Um, so, yeah, you obviously had a gym coach who's focused solely on getting big and, and focused on the strength and power side of the game. And then we had a running coaches and S&C that would focus on more the field-based stuff. Um, which would um, inquire a lot of um, fitness running, um, which there's is quite hard. There's probably not as much like interaction where you get very short period of time with each coach. Probably it sounds because you have so many different coaches. Hello. Sorry, you're cutting out, Darren. That on, uh, I said you probably get like very little time to interact like nearly with each individual coach because there's that many like coaches that you're seeing. Yeah, that, no, no, you're. you're yeah, that, that did happen a lot. Big cut out, but um, I'm blaming that on you. Um, but yeah, um, that did happen a lot. But I suppose the position that I played in in Australia, I played down back, so I was a defender, kind of half back sort of defender. Would get the get the ball moving forward. So I spent a lot of time with the backs coach. So I wouldn't really deal with the forwards or the mids coach that much. So mm. you'd be more the backs folks on that side of the game. And then obviously you'd be spending a lot of time with the gym. Um, Rexy was his name. So I spent a lot of time with him, um, especially during my injury days. I was one-on-one -on -one with the coach and uh, the physios a lot. So um, I spent a lot of hours kind of on my own, one-on-one -on -one with them, which was, which was quite tough doing um, monotonous training, be it mm. rehab or... Um, getting massive in the gym so um, yeah so I over years like you would have got so much stronger um, like I remember I went over my bench press geez the time we did it with you was yeah well, let's, let, let, let's tell that story so basically I had uh, I had to do a project in second year where I had to get a first year well anyone and do like a gym program for whatever they wanted to do so I picked strength and I had to video a few exercises make a program blah blah so I got young <laughs> young Casey to, to come up to the gaff where we had a wee fucking bench press it up there and we were doing <laughs> videos of him doing well I had to show him how to do a bench press basically and get him to do it and coach him through it and I'd say we spent about 40 minutes just taking videos and every time we went to do it <laughs> Casey just started fucking laughing and uh, that, that's basically what happened for about 40 minutes <laughs> oh, did, 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 did it even end up working? I think it did like I think they just passed me because I don't think you, they could hear anything properly but they're like fuck it just you know, go on. Yeah, you've, um, you've come a long way since then. Oh, stop, man. Stop. Jesus Christ. Back yeah, then, I've, you know what? Back then, I said I didn't want to be, I, I just, like, I wouldn't want to be a PT. Um, yeah. I had, like, the thought I wouldn't want to be a personal trainer and all this. And I wanted to be a physio. And as I went along, I was like, actually, you know, I want to get into S&C. So I did a little bit of that. And then it's like, you know what? Actually, PT is not that bad. 
it's good getting that one-to-one time. So you're just speaking about it there with the physio and then one of the coaches being with you one-on-one. It's really helpful, especially in, in, in a situation like an injury, to have that one-on-one. Yeah, like only for, um, like obviously then, like you're only in your second year, so you're only learning the curve and um, it wasn't probably natural for you, but I've seen a lot of the stuff you've done recently on your Instagram and that you've become um, quite good at it. So um, keep a lit on that. Um, having regards to one-on-one with um, massive, uh, I know during my injury um, stages, I've learned so much about different movements and different exercises that help me transition from the injury period um, into on-field stuff. So um, you got to train the way you want to be. So if you prepare yourself, what's that saying? I always F it up. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail, something like yeah, that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so important to have that SNC experience and that alongside you and on a one-on-one on one yeah. base. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when it, like one person said to me before about like the whole one-to-one thing when they're like, why would you want to have a coach? And when you look at a lot of the great things that happened or great things in, in even in movies, like, you know, you have the karate kid, you have the sensei, the one-to-one coach, you know, all those things. Yeah. It, it, there's movies about it for a reason because it does really help having that a person who knows when to push or when to pull back and all the internets. Yeah, exactly. Because you can only get so far yourself. Um, I know for me, um, I, like, I, I can train on my own because I'm pretty motivated. But a lot of people, I suppose, that you train need the likes of yourself, need that expertise. And that's extra bit of motivation that, hmm. that yeah, you're doing the... Um, doing the exercise right and you can push people to a point where they wouldn't do that on their own um, so that's yeah. why S&C is, is quite important like. and uh, we won't we won't be seeing seeing you go back to DCU to get a sports science degree anyway then we'll, we'll conclude with that yeah uh, oh, I, did, <laughs> I did think about going back to DCU but definitely wasn't sports science but um, nah like I'm 25 now I think my college days are over yeah it'd be weird going back now would you would you say like that experience of playing uh, Gaelic football at DCU? You know, you're getting people from all over Ireland. Would you say that helped you a lot? With like, you know, even like they, they, talking, not talking to other people, but kind of getting in a team environment with people that aren't from your locality. Yeah, um, any any interviews that I've done in the last couple of years, I've always said that um, the football that I played at DCU brought brought me on so much better as a footballer. Um, like as as you said, you're mingling with different county players all around the country. Um, I was playing with the likes of Enda Smith, Roscommon, who's the captain of Roscommon at the minute, Niall Murphy, who's the captain of Sligo, or was the captain of Sligo, uh, Conor Hughes on the double band. Like, I was playing with the best of the best, and uh, that standard of football, and to be amongst them in training and in games, uh, brought me on as a footballer so much better. And to mingle with different lads from different counties, I suppose, it, it brings you out of your um, comfort zone. Um, Absolutely. A massive thing that a massive thing they said in Australia, and we had it around, um, like up in the rooms and in the training rooms and whatnot. Was like this one of these things was get comfortable being uncomfortable, and that's something that I'm trying to like get into my life and in every sort of life is um, is trying different things and meeting different people and talking to different people. It might be uncomfortable for you, but the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. So um, I suppose that's a good learning call for anyone in in any path of life is to and put yourself out there even though it might be awkward you might hate every second of it but the more you do it the more comfortable you become absolutely and if you do fuck up you can learn the lesson and change how you do it the next time just keep learning and keep moving on yeah exactly yeah it's a big learning curve life isn't it 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And even something as simple as like, you know, you were saying like, you know, chatting to people from different counties kinds of bring, brings you out of your shell. It, especially if you come from like a, a small town or a small village, it actually is the case because you're not seeing as many people from different backgrounds or cultures. You're used to like your smaller circle. So it does kind of bring you out yeah. of your shell. Yeah, 100%. Out of, your, out of your shell is the biggest thing. I think, um, when, you know, when you're young and then you only kind of get into college, you literally, you don't care what people think. You, you just, you be yourself or whatnot and whatever. But as you get older, you're kind of, you're a bit wary of what other people think and you're like, oh, what does he think of me? What does he think of me? But to be mm-hmm. honest, like, we're all in this, not that we're all in this together, but like, it's a, it is a big learning curve. And then, as I said, like, you get yourself out of your comfort zone and it becomes more natural and um, life itself becomes a bit easier, you know? Yeah. And like when it comes to that, like overcoming and like get, getting into the uh, uncomfortable, um, building character, like obviously happens from, you know, do, making the harder decisions, like consistently, like, you know, not going out, not drinking, training 6am in the morning, eating all your food and all that jazz. Do you think yeah. uh, obviously coming back from injury, playing at a high level of sport, do you think doing those things gets easier? the longer you, you've been doing it, like you build more character for those easier things or for the smaller uh, things? Yeah, it's, it's a question that you probably, I probably got asked a lot over the years. Um, people always used to uh, kind of say to me, like, why do you keep, why do you keep doing it? Like, um, because I've had, I've had so many, um, like important, like massive injuries at important stages of my career. Um, like any time that I did get a serious injury, it was like, so my ACL, for example, I was flying in the AFL, like I was living the dream, like life was so good. Um, I was playing in front of big crowds every week, I was earning good money, I was playing very good football for about 10 games straight and then I was shot down with a serious injury which put me out of that sort of buzz for about a year and a half, um, which was which was a horrible pill to swallow. Um, but the reason why I kind of got back into the swing of things, um, uh, got stuck into the rehab, got my body right. Um, it was tough, don't get me wrong. Like I had some pretty dark days um, when I was in Australia. Um, I was on my own, uh, doing rehab on my own. Um, but I knew I wanted to get back to the point where I was playing in front of big crowds. I was earning that money. I was getting that buzz, that like buzz that you get when you play in front of them games. Um, so I wanted to get back to that. So I knew I had an end goal. And to do that, I had to go through all the shit times. Um, it was hard, but... As you say, it builds kind of builds character, um, and I suppose that's why I came back from so many injuries that um, some people may have quit. But uh, I suppose that wasn't in my um, wasn't in my vocabulary is quitting. So wasn't um, in my DNA. Wasn't in my DNA to quit. So um, <laughs> I'm 25 now, so hopefully that's the end of all that shit, and I can get on and do what I do best. I suppose. Yeah, Pre- young age, man. Plenty, plenty of football ahead of you, bud. Plenty of football ahead yeah, of you. Man. Not as old as you, McGinnis. No, I'm only a year <laughs> older, you bollocks. Um, one thing that... A year in football I, is a lot. A year in football is a lot. One thing that I found strange as somebody who... I haven't played Gaelic football in about five, four or five years. And before yeah. then, there was none of this mark crack. So the odd time when I dip in and out of Gaelic football, I'm like, oh, I still need time to adjust to the mark because I haven't actually played a game where it's been, been used. Did, uh, did you find that a good move for Gaelic football or do you prefer the old way of going? Um, good question. Um, to be honest, uh, obviously the mark was in the game AFL that I played in Australia. So um, I'm kind of used to that um, sort of rule. So, But uh, I would completely disagree in having it in Gaelic. Um, 
maybe I like the outfield mark where, can, where you can mark from a kick out. I 100% agree with that because it encourages lads to practice their catching and it um, awards the midfielder for making a good catch. Completely agree with that. But the inside mark is not Gaelic football. Um, that's we pride ourselves on getting the bears and turning and shooting quick. Whereas the mark just yes, it encourages teams to kind of kick it in, and um, but it's not Gaelic football. So I'd be in dis- disagreeance of the inside forward mark. I haven't played in a game yet where it's in play, so I haven't tried it yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it works this year. Mm. It, it will be interesting, and I'm not sure where the the reasoning behind wanting to change it. Like I thought the fucking game was good as it was. I, I like the midfield mark myself as well because yeah. at the end of the day, it's a sport and it's a spectacle and a, a big pluck in midfield is a fucking great spectacle to see. Yeah, yeah. 100% you're right, yeah. Um, so the mark, the inside forward mark could ruin the game. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's the, the GA are always trying to change um, for what already is a beautiful game. So I don't know why they keep tweaking with the, the rules and whatnot. Um just keep it the way it was um, and uh, we'll enjoy it because the game has, I've seen a massive change in GEA, I suppose, because I was away for six years. So before I went, it was, I felt like it was a bit more free flowing. Um, there wasn't as much uh, over and back play. Whereas I came back into the county panel and I'm seeing the ball go over and back the pitch very slow mm-hmm. because teams are afraid to get it forward because most teams are playing very defensive, the two men back. So, um, it can become quite slow and uh, boring to watch and even to play. So the game has changed a lot over the last six years. And what do you think? What do you think teams can do or managers do to change that? Obviously, you know maybe changing the tactics is, is going to help to a degree if you can win with it. But that's the thing: some teams get uh, can win with that slower style of play. Yeah, it, it comes down to I suppose if if teams are playing that defensive sort of blanket that. Uh, you have to be a lot more patient with the ball in hand and when the, the opportunity does come up that there is a gap in the play that you, you do penetrate it. But um, mm. yeah, I think teams are just trying to spread the pitch as much as they can, keep it quite wide. And then when there is uh, a time to kind of penetrate through certain little gaps in, in the fences to do it. But um, it's kind of hard to uh, completely put a pin down onto how to break down um, such a defensive system. And I suppose a lot of teams have tried over the years to, to find something. Mm. But um yeah, it's the thing. It, it won't. It won't eliminate it. It won't stop being used until somebody can completely demolish it. Like that's that's the way ta- the tactics go. Like you know, there's when the, the hand po- hand pass became a big thing before that. Like it would have been more direct style, and then yeah. found out the hand pass is a way to kind of beat teams that do the direct style. So until there's something that kind of overtakes the style that there is now, it's gonna stay a slower game. I think. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Uh, things things are forever changing in life and in football. So, um, things will change, and hopefully, it's for the better. <laughs> make yeah. it easier for make it easier for us forwards. Hey, get them goals in, boy. Uh, and uh, one thing I always find interesting. It's an interesting conversation when it comes to Gaelic football and and drinking. Like the GA is a yeah. club, club, or the GA is a sport that would have been like associated with going for a pint after a game and all that jazz. And uh, but a yeah. lot of teams in recent times, well, maybe not even that recent, but they approach a no drinking uh, sort of policy for maybe a month or a period of time before a championship. Yeah, do you think teams maybe sometimes go too far on one end of the spectrum with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, 
from being from in a, in a professional environment where that was the case where you didn't really drink that much but coming home like GA yes there is a there is a certain point where obviously you don't drink two or three nights before a game and mm. um, that's just like you know from being a strength and conditioning coach your whole life or last couple of years that that's obviously not something that you would do but um, GA needs to be a bit more relaxed as we spoke about previous to the, the GA scene being very full on at times especially at the county level but I think after speaking to my old man, uh, Brendan Burley, played a lot of football um, in his day, like post-games, they would go on a big session um, and create that camaraderie and crack post-game with even the opposition team too. So I suppose that needs to kind of creep back into um, GA that we need to enjoy each other's company as well as enjoy the game, obviously, as much as possible. But um, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of drinks post-game, have the crack, um, no. go through the game. Um, it's not going to affect you. Um, but yeah, there's a time and place for, for that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, championship, if you're in the fucking championship final and you're out drinking two or three nights before, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you should know yeah. not. Like, people, that's the what you don't do. But people getting dropped for drinking, like, the week before a game, a game and stuff like that. Uh, I've heard mad stories about shit like that before. And I think it's just silly because at the end of the day, as you're saying before, it's an amateur sport and it, it's not going to massively affect you if it's a week before. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, like a week before the game, you shouldn't be going out and writing yourself off. There's nothing wrong with no, no, no. beers. That's the like you wouldn't be going out and writing yourself off because um, that's going to lead to you underperforming and whatnot. But um, and dying for about three days, eating fucking KFC and so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a do- it's a domino effect. I know myself when I have a beer session, I'm dying. I don't be normal for about two or three days after it. So. Um, that's that's a massive side. It's a domino effect. You say like you have a night out, and the next day you're you're not really feeling great. So you're eating shit food, and then two days later you're still not 100. Um, percent So it takes a while for your body to kind of recuperate and get back to normal. So it's not just the the night out. It ends up being three days where your body is not um, at its optimum optimal peak. So um, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be careful with that sort of thing. It's about, it's about being a, a responsible adult. You know you shouldn't be getting pissed drunk the week before games. And that's the way. That's the, that's the end of it. <laughs> exactly, Darren. Um, and uh, you're right about the bonding side of things. And I think it's something that definitely should come, uh, be brought back in. And I think now, a perfect time, you're speaking about the games, that technically some people are saying don't mean it because there's no promotion or relegation. That would be a good opportunity to fucking maybe get something like that going get on to the lads, like obviously depending on what night of the week and all that jazz, maybe have a couple of points at them after. I'm putting putting the onus on you now. You're the man that said you, you, you would like to see more of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I wouldn't be encouraging it, but I'm all for um, a bit of crack post games with the, the boys you play with. So um, it creates, creates a tighter bond, especially uh, with the kind of older, younger sort of combination that's in teams these days. Um, gets everyone together and a tighter knit group uh, will um, relate to better on-field performance. So um, if you're closer mates, um, you'll eventually um, obviously play better football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll fi- we'll finish off the last few questions. Uh, what is the best movie or series you've watched in lockdown? No good. I'd say you've been hammering out the Netflix. Uh, I was actually only chatting to someone about this today. No, I haven't. Um, I, I'm one of those lads who starts stuff and then doesn't sometimes, uh, d- depends if it's good or not, sometimes doesn't complete it. So, um, Last Dance, um, loved every second of that. Um, I'm going to watch it again. It's 
uh, one of the best documentaries I've uh, seen when it comes down to sports people. Um, mm -hmm. Michael Jordan was in, an amazing athlete and um, yeah, that was one of the best ones I've seen. So I'm sure you watched it yourself. Yeah, man. It's just interesting to see that like little look into what his mindset was like. It's a different level altogether. But to to do what you, uh, what he did, it has to be like that. Like, yeah, like as you said, absolutely different. He's a different kettle of fish to any athlete that I've seen. Like even when I was involved in um, the Australia scene, like I seen lads that had similar traits themselves. Um, but yeah, he just demanded so much of himself and more so others. Like he was nearly a prick to his teammates. Um, mm. But he just wanted the ultimate goal, and that was to win everything he played. So. Um, oh, unreal! I'm gonna watch it again. Class, class. I might fucking do it as well. I, like this, the <laughs> four, I think third or fourth time someone said last dance, and every time I'm like, "Fuck, I'd love to watch it again." <laughs> I know, yeah. I wish um, I could see it. I don't know if you're a big man for reading uh, any any books or anything like that that you, you've read recently. That would be good for people. Uh, yeah, I I've started since I came home. I started kind of listening to certain podcasts. Um, another mm. close mate of mine in Australia, Patrick Cripsy, the captain of Carlton, he's doing um. He's listening to kind of sports psychology podcasts and how the mind works. And um, the I'm I bought a book recently, The Power of Now, um, which mm. is supposed to be a very good book. So I'm gonna um, read that. Um, I was also reading another book I haven't completed yet. It was like uh, Awakening the Inner Giant, something like that. It was I don't know if you heard of that book before. So um, kind of more psychology and how the mind works. I'm kind of enjoying that side of things. So I've. Uh, some people would be think that's great. Some people would probably think, "Why are you reading that shit?" Um, well, but yeah, fuck that's, those people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm interested in that side of things, how the mind works, and how that can um, affect your performance and whatnot. So, reading them sort of things. Class. I, I love. I love those uh, type of books myself. I'm listening to the Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday at the moment. I'm only early oh, on, and it's it's uh, supposed to be a very good one. He's a few books that Ryan Holiday fella. Um, right. I'll send you on a wee list. I have a fucking massive uh -huh. book, book list of all that that type of shit for you, man. And the last the last little bit I'll ask is yeah, what... Do send, send me on a lesson. Oh, there's a wee delay. Uh, yeah, we, love that. Love that. We, um, what is the best moment for yourself in, in sports, in GA or AFL? What, what's the most memorable moment? Uh, most memorable moment. Um, geez, I've had a few over the years. Um, I have to pick a few. I can't. I can't actually Go pick one. Um, I was lucky. Yeah, I was lucky enough to um, represent my club and county in, in international rules. That was an amazing experience. Then um, I was only seventeen, so youngest ever player to play. That was that was massive for me. Um, uh, then my debut in Australia um, was another massive moment. Uh, my parents flew out two thousand fifteen. To watch me play in front of 80,000 people, that was a surreal moment. Them having them in the crowd, the move was kind of worth it then. Um, all the hard work kind of paid off. So that was another massive achievement. And then I suppose um, coming home and then playing for my clubs in Moctis again after being away for so long and uh, playing against the Martins in the championship um, after all them injuries. Um, was uh, was unreal. So um, I've yeah. had a fair few moments in my career. So um, hopefully I can make many more memories. Absolutely, man. Fair play to you. You're a fucking very determined chap for coming back from from all that. And I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on when the season gets kicked off, pal. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me on, pal. Enjoyed it.
Cheers, bud. Just gracias for listening to the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. As I mentioned before, give it a share to your story. Let me know what you think about it. Tell your friends about it. And also, educate yourself about current events and people of other cultures and learn a little bit more about the injustices that are going on around you. Shit's fucked up and recent events are only highlighting what bad shit that's already been going on and it's every single one of our duties to learn a little bit more about our own biases and the way that we look at other people and how we treat other people. We're all humans. We should all treat each other the same. Treat somebody by their character, not by the look of their skin. And just fucking reflect on your own behaviour. You just have a lovely day. Thank you very much for listening.